this was the right time for me. My, my plan was actually to hopefully go out, you know, with the last World Cup, which didn't work out. I got nothing left to prove to myself, really, is what it comes down to. I've hit the highs that I've wanted. I've made the best mates in the world. I've traveled the world. Another year would just be a bit more arthritis and probably a couple more head knocks that I don't need. So I'm pretty pleased to, to step out as I have. Welcome to U.S. Rugby Happy Hour Live. This is our last sh live show of the year. I don't know if I told Fitz of that yet, but it is. And, and we're ending season three on a high note. In just a few minutes, uh, recently retired U.S. Eagle and former rugby New York ironworker Nate Brakeley is going to join us. Lots to talk about, including his time as an Eagle, ending on a high note. Uh, the latest sad news, obviously, with rugby New York no longer. But that's got to sting for Nate, too. So we'll ask him about that. And, uh, you know, honestly, not just sting for him, but sting for MRR fans in general. So stay tuned for that. I am Bill Baker of Eagles Overseas. And my co-host is John Fitzpatrick. Hello again. Hello again, Bill. I can't believe it's we've been doing this for three years. Three years. Yeah, three years. You know what's amazing, though? So I've been looking at numbers, okay? Uh, like I said, last live show of the season. Uh, it's been a tremendous year, man. So it's been a long year. It's This is our 44th live show of the year, okay? Seriously? Yep, which is which actually equals seventy podcasts out out of those forty four shows, those live shows. Over twenty four thousand listens spread out between the, the Twitter spaces or Twitter replays, the podcast replays, the live streams on YouTube and Facebook, and and all that stuff. And that's only and and that is is way more than the year prior. So we're going the right direction. So there there are rugby fans in the U.S. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, and and also. Let's not forget the introduction of a new short podcast about beer. Happy Hour Taproom. Like Dan Lyle said, who says rugby and beer goes together? So it was just natural for us to do. That Dan Lyle guy doesn't know what <laughs> Yeah. Who's, who's this guy? Anyway, we want to thank everyone who's tuned in live or replayed the shows on podcasts, wherever else this year has been. We're doing it for you guys. We enjoy doing it. We love your input and all that stuff. It's been a blast being able to talk to all these great guests. Like tonight's guest uh, and Dan Lyle, sorry, in case he's listening. Uh, <laughs> and a huge thanks to Taylor Dean at um, USA Rugby for helping to secure many of these guests. Um, she's been great and communicating her with her when she's been overseas in Spain and all that stuff has been outstanding. Um, and you know what? Little uh, little little uh, quirk tonight. Well, not quirk. I guess a little addition. We're actually live streaming on Instagram, I believe. Uh, <laughs> All of a sudden, we yeah. Are, I saw it. Yeah. yeah. All of a sudden, I saw it pop up on the uh, uh, the desktop Instagram app. Said you can go live. No way. So it's great to have you guys. Whoever's listening in on the uh, Instagram live, thank you so much for doing that. Whoever's live streaming, you can live. You can listen in on on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Uh, if you're on those three, go ahead and drop a question in the comments. We'll try to get them on for our guest tonight. If you were live on the Twitter app or on the desktop Twitter, which is new now, you can actually ask a question of our guest live yourself or message us, DM us on Twitter, and we'll get the question on for you as well. So, you know what, uh, Fitz, let's get to it. we got a lot to talk about with our guest tonight. Right into it. He's going out on top, all right? He lifted the, the, the Vila International Cup trophy for USA. We've got none other than Eagle number 469, Nate Brakely. Hey, Nate. What's up, fellas? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, thank you. Thank you. Again, thanks for joining us again. This is your second time, a third time you get a watch. So <laughs> we'll have to work on that. <laughs> you know what? I, I got to say that that celebration photo over in Spain was phenomenal. I mean, blood running down your face while raising the trophy. I mean, some of the best team photos consist of players with dirt and mud all over them. You had that and the dripping blood. 
I mean, what a cool photo and what a, and, and what a, a cool way to cap your career, man. Yeah, for sure. Um, got a little going away present from rugby there, uh, <laughs> which was nice. Uh, so I'll have that one to, to remember, remember by for a while on my face. Um, but certainly just a very uh, fun and validating moment there. I think for everyone that's been part of that journey since we first assembled in Charlotte um, in July, it's been a lot, a lot of work, a lot of grind to get to uh, that point of raising the trophy. And so to be a part of that um, and kind of feel the energy that I think everyone felt um, to, to reach that high at the end of the season was a pretty special moment. Uh, and then obviously, you know, the, not a bad way to, to ride off into the sunset either. Yeah, exactly. And let's keep on going on, on USA Rugby. Let's, we definitely want to talk to you about MLR, of course, in a bit, New York and all this, and your future. But, you know, a very impressive last win there, 42-12 over Spain. Again, a very satisfying moment for you and the team. Uh, you know, what did that win mean for you to end the season on that high? Yeah, I, I think, again, it's very validating of the processes that were put in place at the beginning of that tour and, and also, the, obviously, the beginning of Scott's tenure is we built through um, the start of that European tour and some ups and downs there, um, and then to have that great Toulouse win and then uh, go overseas um, and win two, two away matches to lift a bit of hardware um, is a pretty cool trajectory for us to be on. Um, and a really good foundation to build uh, what will hopefully be the next four years into a World Cup uh, from is it's just it's great momentum. It's great validation. Uh, and it's also just really good um, way, I think, for a lot of the young guys or these guys new to the Eagles um, to see that kind of work reward cycle um, very early on. Uh, and so to remind us that if we if we are willing to commit and put in the graft, um, we can go to some pretty special places. Yeah, Nate, and, and speaking of that, those that win there, I guess maybe rephrasing the question or elaborating a bit more, how important was it for the program to really kind of win out those final two matches in Spain for the future of the program? Uh, we had um, Nate Osberger on a couple of weeks ago, and I think he said something like, uh, winning is contagious or winning breeds winning. For the, for the young guys who are getting their first taste out there, what, you know, having been in their shoes when you first came in your career, what's it like to be able to ride out a year with, with two wins, kind of get some momentum going? 100%. It's, you know, it's knowing how to win um, is a skill in itself. And I think that you saw, you've seen stretches of that with USA 2018 being the notable example where you get on that that streak and you just somehow you, you pull the wins out, even when the playing is a little bit ugly. Um, and I think that's a big separation between, uh, you know, okay teams, good teams and great teams is how how much you know how to win and how in those tight games, you know how to, to push through and make the adjustments that are necessary. Um, and then mentally just having the expectation that you are going to win. And some of the, very good teams that I've been a part of, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter what was on the scoreboard. There was always the expectation that you were going to win um, versus teams where it's a, everything's a little bit more dodgy and you get behind a couple on the scoreboard and it seems insurmountable. Um, and especially with the kind of the, the types of matches that USA often finds themselves in that type of confidence in our ability to put points on the board and continue to keep ourselves in games uh, I think is a super valuable one. 
Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned earlier the physical uh, memento maybe from the last match, a little shiner there. One thing mm-hmm. that won't go away, of course, is the the jersey, I believe, that embroidered to commemorate yeah. your last match. Have you got that uh, bad boy framed yet? Hasn't been framed yet, but Christmas is around the corner, so uh, <laughs> I suspect that one might be under the tree for me. Um, but pretty pretty special, and, and again, I'm I was very privileged to kind of call the shot, as it were, on my way out. Um, that's a it's a pretty fortunate position to be in in the rugby world, where a lot of boys, um, for one reason or another, don't know when they're playing their last game. Um, and a lot of a lot of credit and thanks goes to um, Oscar, the manager. And obviously Scott for uh, kind of letting me call my shot like that um, and giving me a last hurrah before the next generation takes over. And talking about Scott, you know, at the helm, like you said earlier, uh, for this first year and hopefully for a lot while now, uh, you know, with him at the helm and, and also the impressive young guys making an impact this past year, like Sam Gola, you know, Joe Mano, uh, Martina and others, especially. Um, are we in good hands, uh, Nate? You, you know, is U.S. rugby going in the right direction? I think USA rugby is absolutely going in the right direction. Um, I think American rugby is best when it embraces what is American. Um, and an easy way to do that is to have Americans at the helm and a lot of young Americans in the squad. I think that if you look at that last game, especially, you know, it's what, what, what can America produce? It can produce athletes. It loves physicality. Um, and we aren't afraid of a bit of fitness. And so even if the, you know, the skills aren't there or the ball is going to deck for one reason or another, which you saw in the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, there was no shortage of physicality or fitness, and we kind of pulled the, pulled the game away on the back of that. And I think that Scott would tell you that those are all tenets that he looks to build his team on. Um, and obviously, there's, there's plenty of uh, meat in this country to produce athletes. <laughs> so just make sure that those boys are getting into the system early. They're getting identified. They're getting developed. Um, and so that the Sam Galas of the world um, are found early and put into systems where they can become Eagles. And speaking of the meat, you know, uh, anyone this past year, say, or whenever here, that's really kind of blown you away by their just the skills they have. You know, McCarthy comes over also joining Chicago, you know, his kind of skill level he's learned over in Ireland. You know, anyone out there that you're just like, wow, that, that, that kid's got it. Yeah, you know, I, I think the um, so obviously the, the internationals that have come over. Um, Tomo and Nick have been great boons to the squad. Um, obviously Sam Gall has gone well, Patty Ryan coming over, Mm -hmm. uh, and then all the young boys as well. I mean, it's, it's just been a really good to see a lot of new faces in the squad. Um, and knowing that those boys are also getting the reps at their MLR clubs as well, uh, means that we aren't having flash in the pan guys come in and look great and then kind of disappear into club land. Like it might've been in the past. Uh, there's a real pathway for for the boys that want to commit to this uh, to continue to develop. And, you know, staying in line with the U.S., now back to the coaching staff again with Scott, you know, what is it about Scott? I know um, being American, knowing the landscape really helps out. But, you know, what's the, what's different with him compared to, say, Gary or John Mitchell? And I'm not trying to separate them as, like, who's better. I'm just saying, you know, what's the difference? Yeah, so, so I think on field, I think Scott um, – has actually a similar philosophy again to Mitch that was let's let's build athletes and teach them to play rugby um you know and under Mitch we are running our faces off and just you know playing uh playing a, a rapid high pace um and daring teams to keep up with us um I think Scott has put a, some a bit more guardrails on that but it's the same 
um, idea of we're going to be fitter and more athletic and more physical than you. Uh, hang with us if you can um, and use that as kind of an identity for the team. I think Scott also, obviously, from a um, pathways framework uh, kind of systems guy, obviously, he's been in the country and obviously thinking about this for a long time um, as to how do, how do we develop the, the youth teams, the age grade teams, the support systems, the identification vehicles, um, such that this Eagles team isn't a kind of building just for four years. We're trying to build a pipeline that will sustain us for the next two, three, four World Cups. And, and you just mentioned youth academies, that kind of stuff. Uh, one of our listeners, Rick Meyer, um, I hope it says his last last name right. He's on Facebook and he wrote wrote a comment saying his son's 12. He loves a game of rugby. There's, you know, there are rugby camps all over the U.S., uh, but it seems to not be a lot of youth camps geared towards his age. Um, there's plenty of high school and college camps. You know, um, can there be more done to grow the, the sport among the 10 to 14 year olds? And you, you have an opinion on that? I'm not sure how deep you are into that into that realm. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not too much into that. I started playing um, when I was in high school, so freshman year in high school, so I would have been 14 or 15. Um, but, you know, I, I think with at that age, a lot of it is just exposure to the sport. Um, you know, if you look at the number of guys historically in the U.S. that have done great, um, only having picked up the game uh, in college or after, I really think at, at that those ages, it, it is just about um, exposure to the sport and having fun with it and staying excited about it. Uh, you know, we always talk about cross training and is it is specialization early too too much? Um, and so I don't know what the what the you know the perfect way to develop as a rugby player is. Um, but as long as you have it in your area and you're playing it with some consistency, um, I would say that's all, that's all you really need and kind of early on there. Well, and then talk about yourself personally, Nate. Um, we talked about this last time on the show. Um, we're, we're relatively neighbors. You growing up in Marblehead, I'm up on the street from you in Manchester by the sea. St. John's Prep, you were a prep kid. Um, you know, what was your, uh, um, you know, involvement in youth rugby? Yeah, so I, you know, I picked it up in high school. I'd never really heard of it and, um, until it was there, and I needed something to do in the spring. Uh, and so I picked it up and fell in love with it. Um, but that was kind of my first exposure to it. Um, and then since then, you know, I've obviously been around it, especially um, in New York City with all the the play rugby and the, the you know, the visiting of things through Rooney. Um, but I know that it's still fairly um, very much kind of pockets of it around the country. And it it's one of those things that there needs to be um, kind of adults that are very passionate about it to put in place the systems for kids. It's not like soccer where these things just kind of are everywhere. Um, and so there definitely is right. some element of it that you just kind of have to be fortunate that it's in your area when you're looking for a sport to play. Um, and, you know, it's there's somebody that wants to teach you it. Nate, I want to switch gears here a little bit and move to MLR and talk a little bit about New York. Um, of course, everyone has heard the news soon after the Arrows ceased uh, Rugby New York to bow out of the league. I mean, that's. I mean, that's got to hurt a little bit, right? The kind of the, the organization that you play with in MLR, unfortunately, had to had to shut it down. Yeah, more than a little bit. Um, it's it's gutting, frankly. Uh, primarily for all the boys that thought they had employment and thought they were going to be able to provide for their families for the next 
six months to a year are suddenly scrambling for probably uh, pennies on the dollar in terms of contracts in cities that they may not want to be in away from where they thought they're going to be. And if they got kids and significant others in tow, um, you know, they're even worse off for it. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's been feeling for those boys a lot. Um, obviously I was got out at the right time as it were. Um, but that's super tough. And then from the, just, you know, where it's, we're just talking with butcher the other day and it's, we were always saying that in 10, 15 years, we'll be able to take our kids and show them the house that dad built. Um, and that's not a thing anymore. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot of kind of memories and legacy and hard work um, from the, the start of uh, Mike Petrie and James Kennedy through to this past season that mm-hmm. uh, is kind of washed out a bit. Um, and you, we can get as philosophical as you like about the, you know, it's about the mates and the memories, but at the end of the day, there's uh, there's something that we thought we were building that's not quite there anymore. Yeah, it's definitely a big, a big void and a big loss for MLR and, of course, all the players and staff and the families. I mean, I guess from, you know, let us know how much you can tell here, but did you hear anything leading up to this? Was there an inkling that, you know, the 2024 season wasn't going to happen for New York? I, I think everyone knew that there were going to be changes. There was announced um, sale of the team. Uh, but I don't think that there was any real feeling that the club was at risk of uh, not being a club. Um, there's certainly a, uh, a bit of uh, egoism too about it being New York and thinking that, you know, New York isn't going to go anywhere that even if uh, it's the fan, something's going to happen to step in and save us. Um, but clearly not the case. So I think it was, it was a pretty big shock except for all of those that were in the know. Yeah. And you mentioned having converse, some conversations with, with Dylan Fawcett, who who now is going to be playing with the Chicago Hounds, but have you had any other conversations with some of your other teammates? And, you know, if so, what are kind of some of these general emotions that are swirling around? Is it fear, doubt, anger? Um, yeah. I mean, I think everyone's going through their own grieving process. Um, it's again, a lot of what we just described is, mm-hmm what those boys were, were feeling is um, if you're, if you're running your club, right. It, it is more than just a four walls and a couple of rugby balls. Um, and I think New York did a really good job of making it more than that. So to, to see it um, disappear is a lot like watching your house burn down. There's a lot of memories that were there. Um, and so, and, you know, of course I've reached out to the boys and chatted with a bunch of them and um, hoping and trying to help where I can get some of the boys to land on their feet. Um, Cause again, it's, it's a lot of guys left in the lurch at a very late hour. Yeah, but Nate, you know, again, obviously you're extremely proud of New York rugby. Um, you played there at club level also, and, and I get it. I, you know, it's it's a great environment. You know, if is there a way to look at it where maybe New York City wasn't ready for an MLRT yet, team yet? You know, what I mean by that is, you know, you just weren't able to find a home every year. You know, attendance numbers weren't where you wanted them to be, but that takes time, obviously. You know, is it maybe not time? I know, I, honestly, financials were an issue, but maybe it will. It hopefully will happen again, and New York will be ready for it. Uh, you know, I, I, listen. I, I would say I would say that everything they say about New York City is right. Is you got you got to want to make it here. Um, I think New York City is it's the right time in New York City for the right people all the time, and it didn't happen this time. It didn't come to come to the end that we wanted it to but i don't think at all that's an indictment of new york city or of the new york city uh rugby scene um i just think that it was uh the execution was not there um and will rugby 
back in New York City, yeah, absolutely. There's too much enthusiasm and love for um, the sport here. And, you know, and, and also let's call a spade a spade is, you know, us coming in and, and wearing the uniforms and calling ourselves professional is, is one aspect of it. But the, mm. the rugby scene in New York City is still very strong. And there's still a lot of people that do it for free um, and put on mm-hmm. great tournaments and clubs and run the scene for free because they love the sport. And so that's not going anywhere. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're mourning the loss of our thing, but the, you know, the rugby community writ large is still there. Right. And you mentioned, um, actually a quick question for you. Do you have, have you heard any insight on today's dispersal draft? Um, I, you know, I, just seeing bits, <laughs> yeah, just seeing little bits and pieces there, and I know that all those boys need to work out their contracts. So um, until you know, until I see the Instagram post, I I'm not right. going to believe anything I read. Yeah, yeah, I believe you there. Um, but I mean, it's good to see the butcher landing with Chicago. Uh, I know these players here, like Bonasso and Sam Windsor, going back to Seattle. I mean, these these are all free agents. You know, not having to worry about um, the draft, but it seems like looking back uh, in the off season, you would have thought these guys would have been signed up if everything was right in the front office in New York. But I mean, we can speculate all we want, obviously for forever, not knowing exactly what happened. Um, but it's not good, Nate. I mean, um, we, I don't know. It's to me, it's like uh, the team's done, you're done. Um, and, and it sucks for other teams also like me up here in new England. We love that rival- rivalry between New York and new England, you know, DC also love playing against New York you know, many teams. And so it's just, it's a huge void. Um, you know, it's, are these the younger players? I mean, is this the same thing? Kind of what happened with Austin and LA uh, uh, pretty much the same way. I mean, is it the, the general feeling MLR is doing the, almost the same thing? Just kind of like here, just go. And this is why we need a players union. Yeah. I mean, I think the players union is a, a good finish to that is yeah. That's, this is part of why we need a players union is because, even, you know, even owners with the best intentions, and if we give them full benefit of the doubt, um, still need money. And sometimes that money dries up. Um, and then where are people left? And so that's kind of where some of that protection element needs to come in. Um, are there differences between New York, Toronto, and Austin and LA? Uh, yeah, I'd say absolutely. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, you had more or less sole sole source of money um, that disappeared. And then there was nothing to fall back on. Uh, And, you know, at the end of the day, the league is a business and they need to look at the, the balance sheet and decide the pros cons of propping this up somehow or cutting and running. Um, Mm -hmm. And we as professionals are part of that business. And so, um, you know, it's, we're, we're just part of that sometimes and it sucks. Now, I want to move on. Let's, let's talk a little bit about what you know. What, let's get away from what that. Stuff. What, what's ahead for for you? And I think there was something you said earlier that kind of uh, resonated with me. I thought that was pretty powerful. And you said something about how you kind of were able to decide and maybe go out on your own terms. And I think you said something like, "Some guys don't know when they may be playing their last game," which is, um, you know, which is definitely um, you know some powerful stuff there. But you know, let me ask you about re- retiring from the game. Would you say it's a bit of relief, reluctant retirement? Did you feel like he accomplished everything you, you kind of set out to accomplish on a rugby pitch? Um, I would say I accomplished everything I set out to do. I would say that I, you know, I 
retiring at a time when I feel that I'm playing my best rugby and could have probably gotten another year out of myself. And I'd say that's the exact right time to retire. You know, I've, especially uh, as my play style, I've never particularly been the, uh, you know, the fastest or the more, more most athletic. And I don't want to be hanging around until I'm very clearly the, not the fastest or more, most athletic. So I'm pretty happy to go out where I feel like I'm contributing in the way I want to be contributing uh, and, you know, and, and vaguely healthy uh, again, versus having all that chosen for me by injury, by selection, by what have you. So you're telling me you've, you've run your last Bronco test for your career. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'll get talked into one at some point, but I've certainly done running Bronco on somebody else's time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, you've, you've been balancing, it's one thing that you've been balancing, you know, work life and, and rugby life for, for some long time now, um, even before you got your first cap uh, for the Eagles, was it uh, was it just time maybe I guess to concentrate on on that part of the career or your new career? No, I mean frankly, like I've I've made the balance work um, and would have continued to make it work. This was a purely um, purely rugby decision. Obviously, my my wife and my family weighed into this, um, but you know as she's been unequivocally supportive through all this and made it very clear that if I wanted another year, I could take another year, but um, this was the right time for me. My, my plan was actually to hopefully go out, you know, with the last world cup, which didn't work out. Um, But it was another year was, I got nothing left to prove to myself really is what it comes down to. Um, I've, I've hit the highs that I've wanted. Um, I've, made the best mates in the world. I've traveled the world. Um, another year would just be a bit more arthritis and probably a couple more head knocks that I don't need. Um, so I'm pretty pleased to to step out as I have. Well, this next question, you're probably going to see from a mile away and probably, you know, like the scrum half that's setting up for the box kick. Everyone knows it's coming. Is this really officially the end of your playing days? I mean, yeah. This is just wild and irresponsible speculation on my part here. But if the Free Jacks say they gave you a call in May and June and said, hey, Nate, we need you for a couple of months. Hey, listen, week 12 attrition. <laughs> he didn't say no. He didn't say no. <laughs> no, but uh, he did stop talking. So I, I think that I'll take that as a sign to continue on. So, Nate, more seriously, um, you know, you've made – I think you – I read uh, – an interview or listened to an interview you gave recently where you talking about maybe getting a little more involved in coaching at the, at the collegiate level. Is, do I have that right? Is that uh, potentially a, a full-time pursuit for you? Uh, that was thrown out there as a potential. I don't, I'm not sure that full-time coaching is, is in the near term cards. Um, I mean, frankly, I look at the, the amount of work that those guys do from, um, and it's, it's, it's a lot. Um, and it's hard to, you know, I've sacrificed so much to play the sport, to sacrifice even more time uh, to coach the sport, I think is probably not something that's in the near term. Uh, but I'm also not don't see a world in which I step away from the sport entirely. Um, I love I love coaching when I've done it, you know, in a drop in basis. Um, I love being around the sport and the boys, the ones I know and the ones I just meet. Um, and I also have a lot of strong ties uh, to Dartmouth still. So. Mm-hmm that's a, you know, a pretty easy, uh, easy connection there to, to drop in and hang out with those boys from time to time. Um, so 
you know, I, I feel like I still got a lot to give back to the game at what level and in what capacity that remains to be seen. Um, but uh, yeah, well, don't be surprised if you see me on a sideline at some point. Yeah, well, especially with the connection with Alex Magleby and the Free Jacks. If we go back to that question again, no, never mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you, you mentioned an involvement with coaching, and I'm glad you asked that, Fitzy, because you know, obviously, we all know the World Cup's coming up in a number of years right now. I mean, you're a smart guy, Nate. You you went to Cambridge. Um, do you foresee maybe throwing your your name in the hat to help out, maybe with plans for the Rugby World Cup? Uh, you mean in a support or a like coaching role? Uh, support, support, maybe. As a rugby uh, mind, support, yeah. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I've not thought too hard, too hard about any of that. Um, yeah. again, you know, being involved in the scene is definitely appealing in one capacity or another. And you know, to be be part of the World Cup on on the other side um, would probably be a really cool experience as well. But I got four years to figure that out. So uh, I guess because I don't have anything too concrete right now. All right, so I'm going to have to take a breath. I'm going to list off a few things here, and I'm probably going to have to take a break and breathe because there's so many things here. Um, we're looking back now at your career, um, you know, 34 caps for the Eagles. You, you know, you won the ARC championship, the Avila International Cup recently. There we go. Uh, the MRL, MLR Shield, you know, participated in the World Cup we mentioned earlier, and you played in that historic varsity match at Twickenham. 50-plus MLR matches. That's a lot, Nate. You know, pretty impressive rugby accomplishments. You said earlier you reached you reached all the goals you 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 went for going into the game, but was there anything out there maybe you wish you could have done? I don't know, got back in the sevens, USA sevens or something. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, a seven a sevens cap would have been pretty silly, uh, but it would have been cool. <laughs> um, a uh, you know World Cup win would have been nice, uh, but you know I'm just I'm just listing off nice to nice to haves now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, got i've got nothing but gratitude for the for the sport of rugby so um do i have any regrets or any things i wish wish it happened absolutely not nate were you were you ever approached about uh playing overseas you know professionally um not in any concrete capacity so my um the reason i went to cambridge uh was i knew i was i wanted to get a master's anyways um and doing that over at cambridge was kind of my exposure to overseas rugby and just uh kind of a uh, two birds with one stone way of um getting over there um and while i was over there you know kind of saw the level and saw where i was at uh, and realized at that point in my career i'd probably be slogging it out um in the you know the championship or that one and grinding my way up um and that just wasn't particularly particularly appealing to me at that point in time which is why i came back here and started working um so basically basically realized that it was going to be it was going to be a hell of a grind over there and to reach my eventual goal of playing for the eagles i could do that via nyack at the time um and so that's where that decision came from nate we're going to wrap it up here in a second um what now for you you know what are your plans immediate plans are you just chilling not working out at all maybe put on a little uh, gut i don't know <laughs> sitting on the couch speak for yourself <laughs> you know, though <laughs> well, yeah, I've been doing that for the since I retired. Well, quit. Uh, yeah, what's what's now for you, Nate? Oh, I've been trying to sit on the couch, but uh, my <laughs> wife has reminded me that she is not retired, and so we are uh, <laughs> in the gym and at the track. Uh, so she's keeping me in shape. Um, but yeah, I mean, in, into my day job, um, into um, reminding my employers why they give me a paycheck from time to time. Um, and again, trying to stay in touch with the game and figure out what that next step looks like. Um, 
very excited to watch the growth of this this crazy thing called the MLR. Um, mm-hmm. Even with the road, the road, um, sorry, speed bumps. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's it's going to be an exciting next chapter here. And uh, as I'm only I don't know four four weeks into it, um, still got some figuring out to do here. Nate, I don't. Uh, speaking of, uh, you mentioned kind of getting out on the track. Maybe that's doing some laps. One of your USA men's Eagle teammates, Christian Dyer, just ran a marathon, his first one. Mm. Dallas, I think it was last weekend. So now that you've got a, some extra free time, maybe on some fall Saturdays to do some long runs, for a marathon <laughs> in your future. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I have enough TikTok followers to propel me around the track. <laughs> Again, not a no. <laughs> All right, Nate. We'll we'll leave you on that one. Uh, but you should think about it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> listen, uh, Nate Brickley. Thank you so much, man. It, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. And last year we had you on there, and it's been a pleasure for all of us to to watch you in the USA uniform, especially going out the way you did, making all the USA rugby fans proud of those wins in Spain and, and in Utah, that type of stuff, man. Nate, good luck in the future. Thanks, man. And uh, thanks, fellas, for everything you do for rugby. Um, you know, I know you have fun with this, but it is important that people put on shows like this. So it's, it's great that you're putting in these efforts. Thank you, man. That's our tease right there, Fitzy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Nate, have a good one. Yeah, cheers, fellas. All right, Fitzy, that was, uh, wow. Again, another show where uh, we could easily go another 30 uh, and just talk more and more and more. What a good guy. Yeah, absolutely. In a... Uh... A great way to close out uh, an awesome year of doing this. 2023 has been 44 shows. I That number blows me away. It does. You know, 44 shows. Um, what was it? Uh, 70 podcasts out of this, not yeah. counting the beer podcast. And if you're listening in, guys, still uh, check out the uh, Happy Hour Tap Room. It's a quick little fun segment we do about uh, well, beer. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's been a great year. You know, we, and then you look at some of the names we had on this year, you know, uh, you know, with Nate right there, and then you, you you dig into all the coaches, Mike Friday, you know, Scott Lawrence a couple times, uh, Gary Gold, I think was at the no, that was last year probably. Anyway, yeah. um, you know, all these, and and I love they're they're just not like oh, all right, I'll be on your show. No, it's it's like yeah, let's talk, man. I mean, you know, Patty Ryan was great, David Anu, even though David pretended not to hear me for a while, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then the women's rugby, I mean, Rachel Johnson, um, you know. Uh, Mata Hengano on her first yeah. cap to have her on the show yeah. from um, where were they in Spain? No, they were in like I forget where they were, but they were definitely over there also. So just some great people that came on this year, and it's just been awesome. Well, I mean, it's like how do you top that for 2024? So I mean, we're gonna have to step it up. I mean, we almost went live. I think every week. Can we go live every single week in 2024? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> let's, let's find that sponsor to make it possible. Uh, <laughs> I am working on guests already um, to up the game. I'm working on all um, future leaders, world leaders that played rugby. So we have uh, a Gandhi, um, <laughs> George Bush, President Clinton. I mean, we'll never get them, but, you know, what the hell, it's worth a try. (laughs) (laughs) All right, buddy, listen, it's been fun. It's going to be a good year. Um, We're going to come up with new ideas for all the listeners. It's been a blast. And um, and who knows, we may be on a different platform come January or so. So stay tuned, everybody. It's been great. Thank you so much for tuning in and and making this happen. If it wasn't for you, honestly, I don't know if if Fitzy and I would be doing it all the time like this, 70 shows. Uh, But we are. Anyway, uh, have a great night, and we'll see you again soon. 